0: Hello, friends, and welcome to the first episode of season six of the CU Insight Experience, episode 176, absolutely wild. I am Randy Smith, one of the co-founders of CUinsight.com, and this show is all about taking a deep dive with the leaders of the credit union movement that make it so great. This episode of the CU Insight Experience is brought to you by our friends over at Humanity. Humanity helps credit unions build inclusive cultures that attract, develop, and retain talent. Today. I am having a conversation with my friend Chuck Fagan. Chuck is the president and CEO of PSCU. So with that, let's jump right in. Welcome back to the show, my friend. It
1: has been way too long. Boy, what an honor to to get a second invite, Randy. Thank you.
0: Just looking back, you were episode five. This is uh, episode 176 and the start of season six. So it's kind of crazy. So thanks for coming back, my friend.
1: Oh, excellent. Always call right time for you.
0: I appreciate that. So what's, uh, six years, basically five years since you've been on the show. What's new? Just joking. I know everyone, what everybody wants to hear is you've had some big news in the fourth quarter, basically uh, a merger, PSCU and co-op. Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, it's interesting. This is Randy, the fifth time that we've gone down the discussion path with, you know, different boards over the years. The first one, to my recollection, and I was involved in it was 2005, and we had a second one uh, while Dave Serlo was still leading PSCU, and then one under Mike Kelly's leadership, and, and two, there was one right leading up to COVID when we were engaged, and then we both had to kind of focus on taking our organization's remote when that hit, and at the queues. CEO chair exchange earlier this year, Joan Opp, the chair of the co-op board, uh, came up to me and one of our board members and just said, Hey, I think we need to re-engage again. And we started discussions and you know, we, we got a few things that were in the way in the past out of the way, and ultimately got pretty heavily, you know, doing some of the down and dirty work around due diligence, and all that over the summer and uh, had external counsel, external valuation partners. So it really felt like a combination for all the right reasons, for the industry, for our member-owner credit unions on both sides, and our employees. And when you keep the focus there, it makes for a much easier discussion. And uh, we were able to get to the finish line. It it was was tons of legal documentation, as you might imagine, and uh, the announcement on November 7th and and targeting a a rather quick close to December 31st. But it's been a delight meeting the executive team and now some of the employees of co-op, as well as you know, it's just been fantastic. Their board is made up of credit union leaders. And to, to get to meet them, I mean, you know, you compete so long against an organization. Yes. And when you get to know the people, it's like, wow, the, these people know what they're doing. They've really built a nice legacy. And combined, I think we can make a huge difference for credit unions.
0: First of all, congratulations, my friend. That sounds like a lot of work, obviously, <laughs> to get to this point. You and I were talking before we hit record. You mentioned when you started in credit unions, there were 16,000. When we started CU Insight, it was somewhere around ten or 11,000. We've seen consolidation not only in, I'd say, the, the vendor group and the group that supports credit unions, but also in trade associations and... Of course, credit unions uh end of last year there were there were quite a few that that happened. Is it something that you think is going to continue i I have so many questions on this, and it like is consolidation i guess necessary for us to be relevant, and I guess are we at risk of losing a little bit of who we are?
1: I guess I'll take it a couple different directions. Randy. I'll start with uh credit unions yeah, nineteen eighty eight is when I started so my 36th year in this industry and larger than 15,000 credit unions and, you know, over time for various reasons, you know, some for all good reasons, you know, no branch crossover, they, they get to offer obviously a, a much richer suite of products and access to their members. Some have been in CUA facilitated during, you know, difficult economic times, and that's to be expected. But we had a consultant speak to our board a few years back. And uh, his estimate was by the time we hit 2030 that it's quite possible the number of credit yens starts with a two. And boy, you start thinking about that. That's going to be an accelerated path from even what we've seen. So uh, I hope all of that is for the right reasons. And and I, I point as I lead into our world of payments, you know, scale begins to matter more and more. And you see it obviously across all industries, but as recent as three, four years ago, we had Fiserv and First Data merge. We had Vantiv yep. and FIS merge, and we had Global Payments merge with Thesis. So we went from six major payments players down to three. And if you look at the proxy in all three of those transactions, scale was cited as you know one of those. Primary reasons for getting that together, and these are organizations that do hundreds of billions of transactions a year. Uh, PSCU and Co-op combined will do sixteen to seventeen million uh, billion. So you know we still pale in comparison, and that similarity exists between even the largest of credit unions to the Chases and Bank of America. Right. You know, there's this little person competition that has to go on and you have to find your ways to win. And, you know, if you're deficient in scale, y- you got to find it so that you can compete better. And then then you have to pick your niche where you can really separate yourself.
0: How do you envision PSCU going forward, helping credit unions scale to compete with the with Chase's and the Bank of America's and such?
1: Yeah. So when I look at the competitive market, I really you hear this over and over from credit unions as they're doing searches. There are four key areas they look at, and and they'll tell you price is not the main decision point. That's true in the beginning, but the later in the process you go, paying, price gets more and more important. So price, product, service, and and kind of where you're headed, your vision, your roadmap, those four key areas, and you know the rule is for our team: you can't lose in any category, or, or you're out. You know we we have to tie on price. For us to try and lead with price is not a good thing. You're, you're going to deal with a high-touch, high-service organization. We have to win on service, and I think we have to win when it gets to product. And and we got to have the speed that enables the credit unions to compete. So when you think. PSU co-op combined, yes, there is more scale. We have to use that to negotiate better. But one of the advantages I see is you have all these fintechs encroaching in the digital and and payment space. They don't want to build distribution networks to go after 4,900 credit unions. and, And then, you know, you could expand there into the community bank market. They want to come to a partner that has many endpoints and can provide the distribution channel. And I think we as a combined organization become a really attractive entry point for fintechs to get access to all of these financial institutions. So I think that's, that's one key area. Another is individually separate companies, even, you know, thinking individual credit unions, it's tough to get to an even significant amount of dollar investment on an annual basis to be able to build new technology. So that's where scale does come in. And we're going to have a discipline in place. We'll be a $1.3 billion organization. What we have at PSCU today, and I, I will make sure it exists in the combined organization, is investing about 6% of our revenue, which which will be about $80 million a year. and And it'll grow as we grow back into technology. If we're not building new mobile digital capabilities that credit unions make available to their members, credit unions aren't going to be relevant. They're not going to be competitive. So that's a big responsibility we have.
0: Absolutely. Let me ask you, I'll ask both sides of this question, but to start here, what are the biggest challenges that you see credit unions facing, say, today as we look out to this new year?
1: Well, I think just that. The Big banks chase, you know, billions and billions of investment uh, every year around mobile digital technology access. Credit ins. they don't have that capability. So what credit ins have to do is credit ins have to pick the best partners they can possibly align with. And I like to think that when it gets down to that choice, that a credit IAN will trust their member to an organization that they own. You know, We're structured just like a credit Ian we have, or, or in the combined organization, we'll have 13 credit Ian CEOs on the board. So that service focus is always going to be there. And when credit Ian's trust their member to you, in our case, we need to make sure that the credit Ian member doesn't know PSU exists. If we provide a good service experience, we're extending the hours of the credit Ian we're providing technology that perhaps they couldn't do on their own. And the trick for them is when they have all these best of breed partners, they have to integrate them in a way that the member doesn't know that they've pieced together all these different endpoints to provide that ultimate experience for the consumer. So I think we, as you know, one of the main providers, main partners for credit unions, have to make sure that what we offer is easy to consume for the credit, Ian, and they can build the ecosystem they want to present to the member.
0: Let me ask you this. You mentioned uh, when we we kicked this off that this is – been a process that's been visited many times over the years as you sit there and you look forward what has you chuck individually excited about leading this organization because i mean over times when like before the pandemic you were looking at you're like "Ooh, this might be fun to run both of these together you know i mean like what has you most excited when you look going forward
1: well it's been quite the journey amazingly i'm eight and a half years in leading pscu and i mean it it feels like yesterday so i'm Proud of what our team's been able to accomplish. We, we started Lumen Digital. We've done acquisitions like Juniper Payments, Triverity, which is a collections group. So we, we've really tried to diversify our business and to get access to assets like Co-op has, like their ATM network, their shared branching setup, I think sets the combined PSCU Co-op as an organization really that credit unions can lean on, be confident in, and depend on. And if we deliver the service experience that I, I will make front and center as part of the vision that I have for the organization, that gets me excited to see credit unions thrive in their markets. You know, I, I'm a big believer that we have to have smaller credit unions, that the consolidation I think is is to our, our point earlier, gonna happen. But Boy, there, there are so many credit unions out there that serve their communities and serve the membership groups that they have quite effectively that I, I want to see that go on. And to the degree we can support that, that that gets me pretty fired up. And then the other thing that I would, I would say gets me excited, you know, PSCU, Dave Serlo built PSCU with uh, the employee being our greatest asset. So our culture is one that i deeply protect i try and align as close as i can to credit unions and to be able to combine with co-op's talented employee base and and build a culture that just separates us i mean we'll have over 5000 employees in the new organization which you know harder and harder as you grow to maintain that kind of close feel culture that, that is what I want to replicate in, in the new organization. So yeah, I'm, I'm as fired up as I've ever been.
0: I love that. I'm glad you brought up culture because it's two very large organizations to bring together. I know people at both and I've always loved the culture that you brought. And I think that you refocused, what did you say, eight and a half years ago now? That's, that's insane. It's that's crazy. But that you brought back to it. I mean, how do you, when you're bringing in Two long-standing, you know, ingrained companies together, QSOs c- together, like to to get that culture part right and to make sure that you're not losing what you put so much effort into.
1: Yeah, it, it is going to take a lot of focus. We've built already; it exists. We're we're allowed to kind of plan. We're still two separate organizations. The Department of Justice has to give us approval in order to move forward, but. Uh, all the planning we're doing starts with what we call the IMO, an integration management office. So we have you know, a bunch of different work streams underneath the IMO, and we have a representative uh, from co-op, a representative from PSCU on each of those initiatives. We've met twice. In fact, last week in the Dallas co-op office, we had 30 people from PSCU, 30 from co-op. And uh, Randy, after For sure, after the first day, you would not have been able to identify who was from PSCU, who was from co-op. They were working together, uh, collaborative. You know, I told them, you don't have to have a title to have a good idea. You know, I want to bring the best out. So as we look at all the great things that uh, co-op has built over a rich 40-year history and PSCU over a 45-year history, we should be able to pick the best of both and build something quite special, not only for uh, the industry and credit unions, but for employees.
0: So, so while it's top of mind, you've obviously, you're still going through this. So are a lot of other folks, CEOs sitting in the you know, similar chairs. Any words of advice for someone going through a merger that you've picked up, I guess, over the past year?
1: <laughs> yeah. And clearly, and admittedly, I've never done anything of this scope. But What we've done in the past, I think works not only in a smaller midsize, but in a a larger deal like this. And the first is, if you think you're communicating enough, you're not. (laughs) Overcommunicate. Make sure people are aware of what's going on. They want to hear from leaders. I've been on uh, co-op all-hands meetings. I've been on PSU all-hands meetings. It's worth the investment of time. To make sure that you're, you're reaching deep into the organization to make sure everyone knows why you're doing this, why it's good for them. They care obviously and are concerned. Uh, you want to relax as much of that as you can. And then the other one is, and you and I, even before we got on this call, we're talking about managing boards. You know, you've got two boards with high powered credit union CEOs on those boards. Listen to them they've seen and been involved in a lot of stuff as well. And again, you know, tap into whatever knowledge you can get from, from that group. And uh, so far, they haven't been shy about uh, passing on insights.
0: <laughs> that's, yeah, you've got a deep bench there, though, to draw from. That's that's for sure. See, something you said there, I I think, is so important. Now, I've obviously never done anything like what, what you're doing right now as far as the merger. But like I, I had friends who worked for companies that were going through it. And often the uncertainty of the individual, it takes away from maybe the excitement of what could be if they don't know if what's happening, right? So it's uh, that communication, like in so much of life, seems like that's pretty important.
1: I think, Randy, if I go into the boardroom, which our first combined board meeting pending DOJ approval would be early January. And if I go in and I talk about synergies and dollars that we can save, it, it's a miss. The public companies, that's the way they would approach it. In our case, I get to walk in and I get to talk about what we're doing to ensure that the credit union member doesn't know this is going on, that, that you know, we're going to be making some changes along the way. We have to, but that we're going to do it in a way that on the other side, the, the member comes out with a better experience. Same same with the credit union staff. And you have to take that internal as well Is you know, look, it's not, not like PSU could just absorb an organization the size of co-op without the deep expertise and talent that they have. It's, it's going to take talent from both sides, leaders from both sides, and uh, there, there'll be some duplication, no question, but, you know, can we use those resources in other areas to support what we're trying to accomplish? The other thing, Randy, that I think is just so important for us is I'd rather take two to three years as opposed to trying to jam it through and causing havoc for all three of those groups, you know, the members, the credit unions, and the industry. I, I just we can do it in a way that is rightly paced and done that keeps that culture focus out front.
0: All right. So the last time you were on the show, there were a few different nuggets you shared with our listeners that people have talked to me about. It's been a while, so I, I put together some new questions, but I'd like to i always like to pick Chuck's brain. So um, <laughs> I'll throw a couple out there. A question that I added to the show maybe in the past year or so was after an interview that I heard with Warren Buffett, of all people. Right. It was just this quite simple question. But like, what was the greatest investment that you've made in your career? In the example, he said Dale Carnegie courses when he was young. It wouldn't be where it was today. When you think back on your career, was there an investment that you made that you're like, yeah, I wouldn't be where I was today without that?
1: It's an easy answer for me. The, the time period I spent at Q's, Randy, which was a little over two years, you know, I, I had led sales and account management and a couple other areas at PSCU. But the only real exposure I had around developing people, developing leaders was, you know, every year tough budget discussions. Hey, cut training. Hey, hey, cut this program. You, you get to cues and you see the importance of building a career path and building an opportunity for people coming into your organization to not only achieve their goals, but in the process, they're going to make a difference in your business. And. I I came back and put a huge emphasis on us developing our people and that investment of that two-year period. Some question that. My responsibility in terms of number of people, budget, and all that was larger at PSCU. But to go to Q's, number one, I had to manage my own board. I had to build strategy. But I learned all that aspect of you know, how you develop leaders in your organization and what a huge difference.
0: That's pretty cool. So a a question about like building the team and building up your team, quite honestly, when you're looking at who you surround yourself with that senior leadership team, are there characteristics that you look for in folks? And is there something that maybe is just that absolute turnoff where you're just like, yeah, no, you won't fit here.
1: (laughs) So a mentor of mine gave me a piece of advice. When you become a CEO, CEOs are seldom told the truth find the people willing to give it to you and keep them close by. So I look for people that aren't going to tell me what they think I want to hear. I, I need to hear, you know, I can't be involved in it all. And as we're building the organization, the people doing it the right way, challenging me, challenging their peers is the best environment to have. And you know i can say this is the vision and i can you know kind of interpret from the board for what the strategic path is going to be as we we work on strategy but when it gets down to execution you got to have people that are willing to be creative and get it done and that creativity means at times they're going to have to say chuck that's not the right thing to do we should do this and boy From the view of CEO, you value that feedback so much. So let me ask
0: you a question. How do you create that trust? I was going to say safe space or something, but I think it's more trust, right? That they know that they can kind of speak truth to power, let's just say, right? Like they can come to you and that's not going to – they're going to be like, oh, crap. Chuck's going to be, you know, out to get me now.
1: (laughs) It takes – some time, honestly. I mean, it's better to do that, bringing people up through the organization where you get a chance to know them and be exposed to how they work. But, you know, at times you you do have to go outside. And I think you really got to use references. You got to use a nice interview process where you kind of gauge that comfortableness of them engaging with you in a way that, that you create that trust, you create that confidence that, you know, they're gonna they're gonna provide you the feedback and they're gonna be a good collaborative part of the team that you're building.
0: Let me ask you this. Obviously you work with a ton of CEOs, whether you've talked about your board, but also your time at Qs and credit unions that, that PSE works with. I often think today about like the books that we grew up reading about leadership and CEOs, and it was Jack Welsh and all of that. What today do you believe makes a good CEO or leader in general?
1: So talking to books, which maybe you're going to ask me later, but McKenzie has a book out. It's probably been out two years called CEO Excellence. And it it is okay. really outstanding. I think CEOs today have to be extremely well-read. You know, I, I, I read every morning. I try and stay on top of what's going on. Not not that I am the smartest person in the room or need to be, because that's not the case. But I want to be the most prepared. When when we get into discussions, I, I want to be able to, you know, challenge, talk intelligently about all the various topics that might be hitting our world. So I think you gotta be well read. I think you obviously have to be collaborative. And in today's world, and hopefully forever, this has been the case. But, you know, I want to have the relationship with the person who trims our palm trees here in St. Pete. I want to know the the person at the front desk. And then, you know, obviously, I want to know my executive team. I I don't want to be an individual or a leader who people are afraid to engage with me. That That's just not me.
0: I guess when you're thinking of bringing up new leaders in the organization, you, you mentioned you know, from your time at Q's, then I know a lot of the folks on your, your team, like their career advancement. Like, what do you do to give people opportunities in the organization so that they can grow as well?
1: Yeah. And, you know, that's interesting because you watch certain Credit union CEOs and they, they kind of have this family of other CEOs that have come up through their organization. <laughs> and, you know, while I may not have that, you know, at Q's. There are, well, you know, Kristen Ryan, she's now at Visa and has gotten, you know, recognized on her team there. So she came into the payments world after, you know, working for years. And then, you know, on our own team, I think that's one of the exciting things about the digital mobile and payments world that we're in. You know, there are positions that exist Today that didn't exist three years ago. You know, think faster, real-time payments, think blockchain, think uh, crypto, and and open banking's coming. So we we have kind of half a body pointed towards that. So as you have these growth areas, you know, data has become so much more important. And to me, COVID accelerated a lot of this. We we were all forced out of in-store retail, in-person restaurant, and we were forced online. And when we were forced online, the companies like Amazon are experts at personalization. You know, even at at the bottom of screen, people who bought this bought these. So they're using data to try and almost be predictive about your next purchase. So we we have so many growth areas embedded in our business. And I think that provides a great platform for uh, people in our company, and obviously people at credit unions as well to explore new areas. And you, you gotta encourage that. I, I, the other thing that I like to do, this is perhaps unique to PSCU, but we come up with that $80 million capital budget that we, we talked about. So 6% of our revenues. I don't say this is how we're gonna spend it. I have our senior vice president level. They're closer to the business. They know what the credit and expectations are. They should know, you know, what's going on in the payment space. I have them negotiate out how to allocate those dollars and we get a much better finished product to the market by having that decision pushed down, you know, a bit lower in the organization. to People that need to learn how to negotiate cross-functionally, they need to know, you know, hey, can we get all this done? So it, it, it is, I think, a really good test. I do maintain a veto power in that, but I, I, I really haven't had to use it.
0: <laughs> That's pretty awesome. I want to circle back a little bit. You you mentioned that, you know, staying well-read in keeping your pulse on uh, what's happening. When I think of digital transformation and I think of the disruption in financial services and just how the pace of change today, right? I'd be amiss if I didn't ask. Like, when you're taking that time, is do you have certain go-to things that you're always reading or just to, for the people out there who are like – I want to be as well-informed
1: as Chuck. Of course, CU Insights right at the top of the list. You know that. You, my friend. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I spend quite a bit of time reading about payments and digital outside of the U.S. With yeah. the U.S., I, you know, we're not laggards, but we're the only country in the world that has 10,000. <laughs> I think we're 9,900 financial institutions. So for us to adopt new technology around payments and digital, we're we're typically later to the game than a lot of these countries that have been able to go, I mean, Kenya is a great example. They've gone right to the mobile phone. They're not addicted to the piece of plastic like we are. You've been to these places and and I think you probably have uh, as unique a perspective as anyone because you see around the world as you travel how different countries move money. And we are a bit archaic in that. So it helps to be able to learn lessons from around the world of what other countries have gone through. I mean, tap to pay is is like one of the easiest <laughs> examples. You know, I think we're probably in the 40s to 50% range, but Australia is like 98%. I mean, all these countries nice. around the world, they've adopted it and it's mainstream. So I think more and more... The way I read is to understand what other countries are going through because ultimately it's going to get back here to the U S and be part of our everyday. So that, that's a big piece. I always want to stay on top of the credit union industry. So seriously, I'm out. You could call me a stalker on your site because I'm waiting for that next (laughs) release that comes out every day. And, you know, just in general, keeping track we we have a system that we can put keywords into and when articles appear on those keywords it, it comes to my inbox and you know apple google they're they're all applying for patents around digital and payments and i want to understand what those are to try and stay on top of it
0: I know late last year, our friend George Ambato was down at PSCU with a whole whole group of folks from the continent. And the first time that I went over and did anything with Acosta pre-pandemic, I was blown away by how far ahead it seemed like. Kenya's payments space seemed right compared to what we were doing back home and part of that to me was it was so interesting to kind of dig into and say well they skipped all the legacy stuff right like it was just like if you're starting today you wouldn't start exactly like we did 40 years ago right
1: yeah that was just before Thanksgiving and what a humble just awesome group I'm so excited that we got to have them and they've asked us to do some follow-up work with them
0: George is amazing. He's one of my favorite people.
1: Let me ask you a couple
0: other things. It was a a popular question the first time you're on. So I'll I'll throw this out there again. A lot of folks um, who listen to the podcast are either new CEOs or would like to be CEOs someday. What advice would you give to that? Say two different people, one who someday would like to sit in the chair and for the other, maybe that person who's fairly new to the role and maybe been there a year or two, because we've seen a lot of turnover at the the CEO rank and credit unions. A lot of folks
1: are retiring. It's been unbelievable. So, so the aspiring leader in a credit union wanting to become a CEO, I, I just I think it's so important to relate what all the different areas do to the overall big picture of the organization. You know, the example I use out of pure convenience, we bring a credit union to our campus here in St. Pete. When they pull up in the parking lot, if the palm trees aren't trimmed, the, the grass and the fountains looking clean, the, the buildings power washed, that first impression is no different from a home buyer seeing, you know, curbside, what yeah. the house looks like for the first time. So if our team, uh, which we call them uh, environmental services, if, if they haven't done all that stuff, that first impression, they play into the sales process. You know, they, they probably don't think that. But they do. They're part of the sales team, part of the revenue growth that our organization is going to have. So, I think as an as- aspiring CEO, recognize that there's not one area in an organization that doesn't contribute to the overall goals of the organization. For the individual who's just become uh, the CEO, I think you and I talked about this last time, and this is one of the hardest lessons, hardest things to ever do to me is when you're managing a board, you work for a board of directors, you don't work for one director. And I fall into the trap, I got to tell you, probably once a month that I tend to lean into one director as opposed to, I I work for the board. And learning that one over and over and over again is going to be important (laughs) for a new CEO. And then I think the other one is what we talked about before. You know, there's, there's a book I read, I, I can't, begin to tell you what it was, but uh, Fortune probably 250 company CEO was prior to being CEO in his MBA final semester taking one of his exams and he had reviewed the whole syllabus, was ready to go and got in there and the professor had one question on the test, what's the name of the receptionist downstairs and he didn't Um. know. Know all the people in your organization get get to know because they all contribute to that big picture, and you got to make that part of your culture nobody 's untouchable. you know everybody should be in a position where they feel like they 're a member of the team and they 're contributing to what the organization's trying to accomplish.
0: yeah, I love that then the first time you were on the show, what you shared about working with a board I, I, as I mentioned before we, we we hit record is one of the Things that's come back to me the most <laughs> from people where they're just like, Chuck shared that great advice. I've heard Jill say it on the phone while in our own house. So it's like when she's talking to a new CEO or CEOs that are dealing or she's working with boards. So um, let me ask you, in, you kind of touch on this and, and there's no one I'd, I'd rather ask this question to because I, I do feel like you have your pulse on like where this industry is going is, I mean, the, the digital transformation, everything like that. For us to get the best people, what does a career in credit unions look like going forward? I mean, you mentioned earlier it's changed a lot even since the pandemic. This idea that there's remote work and there's all kinds of different skill sets that are needed. What if, if you looked forward, if you you have grandkids coming up, be like, if they were to work in credit unions, what what do you think that looks like five years from now, ten years from now?
1: That's a great question, Randy, and I, I think the size of the credit Ian makes a difference on what that position would look like. You know, we we work with credit unions where an individual may wear multiple hats. You know, they may have lending, they may have the credit card product, and and other areas in the company. And you know, I think that in itself is attractive because you're getting to learn so many different uh, areas of the organization. And then from a you know, larger, mid-sized credit union. I think credit unions, and you see it virtually every day, rolling out new digital mobile technologies. You know, they, they make core platform decisions about every 20 years. But your digital mobile stuff, if it gets more than three years of stale, you're headed for one of those disappointing engagements with your members because you're not going to have the offering. Right. Yep. And I find that the loyalty that... I have, you know, I, I've been in the industries for thirty-six years almost. It's because there's a loyalty. It's where I started, it's what, what I grew into. You know, my my thirty-three-year-old, twenty-eight-year-old daughters, they don't carry that same loyalty. They will move to get what yep. they want, whether it's service from their financial institution or career-wise. So yep. I think you do in, in a credit union, because of the size, whether whether it's big or small you have an ability to do those individual career plans and execute on them. It's because you can be more personalized. We have to use that as an asset in in attracting and maintaining our employee basis.
0: I agree. Before we move on to the rapid fire questions, so put some new ones in for you, but was there anything you were hoping that I was going to ask you that I didn't
1: today? Ah, I I love that. So with respect to back to the PSU co-op, Uh, combined, how we can make the industry even stronger is something that we probably touched on a little bit, but I think it's important enough just to revisit real quickly. That is, we will have eight or 10 areas that both organizations bring into the combined organization, but we have an opportunity to get into other areas that could be game changer. An example PSU's made an investment in a fintech called Amount. And Amount is a digital lender. We, we were asked over and over again, Hey, Apple, getting the Apple card changed how people wanted to get a credit card. And, and we tried with the lending platforms that credit Ian's use, the LOS. We couldn't get there. We couldn't narrow down to four clicks and, you know, a couple minutes to have a digitally provisioned card into the wallet. So we invested in a digital lender. They they don't lend in a traditional way. But I think the utilizations of billions of points of data, they know the consumer as well, maybe even better than a credit union would through their traditional methods. So I would look for our organization, PSU Co-op, to listen to the industry and find opportunities where we can uh, perhaps diversify the portfolio.
0: Well, that'll be exciting to watch, my friend. <laughs> okay, so a little bit of fun, rapid-fire questions. What was the the first
1: job you ever had? Not in credit unions, just like that first job. I was an usher at the Ridge Cinema Movie Theater.
0: Very nice. Wait, did you have a favorite movie that when you were ushering there?
1: <laughs> I, I was never a huge Star Wars fan. That was playing, you know, when I started there in 1978. I would say way back then, Raiders of the Lost Ark was probably my favorite movie. Oh,
0: classic. When was the last time, either personally or professionally, that you were just amazed?
1: I was amazed we got to the finish line on Co op PSCU. That's fantastic.
0: What are you currently working on? What's taking up that self growth space?
1: So, outside of work, I've been working a bit on my golf game. I, I haven't had the chance to practice in years like I did years ago, I'm back down to about a five handicap. And I, I, I want to keep going on that path. And then granddad is like my new passion. <laughs> you know, we, we have three-year-old twin uh, boy-girl, and then we have a six-year-old grandson. And it, it is just a life changer
0: okay, now you're feeding into my next question. I don't even think you tried this, but you know, often when you think of uh CEOs and people that are maybe that personality type that want to achieve something, often the family can uh maybe take the the brunt of that balancing act. You have a beautiful wife, you've mentioned your your kids and your grandkids. Any hacks you can share on how to create that full integration of life. Let's just call it that.
1: I think I've probably either told you in in uh, social setting, or even maybe last time we spoke. But you know, I came home first day in this job, and when I walked in the door, Kathy said, "Here's the trash, take it out." Just <laughs> as a reminder that I'm not CEO at home. You know, we're we're partners. I I don't get to where. Uh, you know, I've been able to get without having her support and doing all the things that uh, create the opportunity. We're 35 years married and that one I don't ever come home pounding the chest saying I'm, I'm CEO or I don't bring home the bad days either. You deal with this too. You just, you know, you, you want to have that time when you get home as you know, not lingering on some of the tough things that we've had to deal with, you you want to have that good, relaxing environment and kind of refresh. So uh, that that's really important to me.
0: I love that. And, and yeah, yeah. have a wonderful wife. I've had the, the pleasure of meeting her multiple times also. So it, let me ask you this, what's the best piece of advice you've ever received? And do you remember
1: who gave it to you? Yeah, my dad, and this is probably cuz I wasn't delivering, but his uh advice to me always, promise what you can deliver and work hard to deliver more than you promise. And I I want our kids, you know, our grandkids and then I want our company to not say something that we can't deliver on for the sake of getting business. Be upfront, say where we are and I'd rather do business that way as opposed to creating false expectations. And man, he harped that on me. (laughs) That's good advice, though.
0: Okay, so this is a new question since the last time you were on. It comes from the NCUA chairman, Harper. Who plays you in the uh, movie biopic of your life?
1: (laughs) 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 Oh, wow. I guess in in terms of actor, just, you know, I, I, I go back to... Raiders of the Lost Ark with Harrison Ford. You know, I've tried to do things differently. I'm I'm not just here to try and babysit what we have. We we're gonna do stuff. We started Lumen Digital. We've we've done stuff that has been outside of the normal our industry kind of thing. Some some are a risk and you know what, I'm willing to take those risks because if they hit, I think we can make a difference in the industry that we're in. So uh the adventure side of Harrison Ford in some of those movies, I'll say.
0: There you go. I like it. You mentioned the one book earlier. Any books that you think everybody out there should read?
1: Yeah. In fact, we we had her uh, speak at one of our D.C. meetings. And that's uh, Condoleezza Rice's book that she was gracious enough to sign for me. And I, I am just wowed by the width of her knowledge and, and the scope yeah. that she can bring to any discussion. I I only got to spend a handful of minutes with her, but unbelievable.
0: Last question. Any final thoughts for our listeners or or an ask of them
1: before we go? Well, wait and see what what PSCU co-op can become because I think we are going to be an organization that closely, closely aligns with not only the fast pace of technology, but also with what credit unions need to compete and uh, stay relevant with, so watch us. I, I will ensure that it won't just be plain vanilla that we're gonna keep stretching the limits. And you know we're an organization, another quote that uh, I found on a CEO of a credit Ian's desk, and it was, "If you build it, they might come. If you build it with them, they're already there. And you know co-op has co-creation councils, PSU as advisory groups. We have, you know, 13 credit union CEOs on our board. We're going to build it with the industry, build it the way you want it. And it's, you know, going to be less about sales and more about that you've had an insight into how we invest those dollars and what it looks like on the other side.
0: That is the perfect way to wrap up. Thank you again, my friend, for doing this. I greatly appreciate it and can't wait to to, to see you again soon. Hopefully, probably maybe cues, symposium. I don't
1: know. I'm registered, uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> if people have additional questions of you, what's the best way to, to to get a hold of you? LinkedIn, email, what's your what's your poison?
1: Either way, cfagan at pscu.com or LinkedIn. I'm not as good at LinkedIn because I get a volume through uh, email, but one way or the other I'll get back to you.
0: Uh, Well, I know you will. We will link to everything we talked about today in the show notes. Thank you again, my friend, for being here. I greatly appreciate it.
1: Randy, you're the best. Thanks for having me.
0: Before we go, please also make sure to subscribe to the CU Insight Experience on your favorite podcast player. We are on them all. Also, check out our sponsor, Humanity, and make sure you're getting the, the people part of your credit union right. They are a longtime partner of ours and I'm a big fan. And if you're looking for any of the books that have been mentioned today on the show or or any of the past shows, a quick Google search of the CU Insight Experience Podcast book list and your next read is on its way from Amazon. And last but certainly not least, I want to thank all of you for listening. can't believe we're kicking off season six already. Uh, You all rock. I appreciate each and every one of you. Be well, friends.